ever think you might need a little more out of life, why not try Chasing Diamonds with Andy Cordley, a podcast aimed at bringing out the extraordinary nature of the human experience and the curiosity, wonder, and creativity that drives it. It is his most sincere hope that today's episode tickles your fancy. So now, without further ado, here is your host, Andy Cordley. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Chasing Diamonds. Tonight's episode will feature absolutely, well, not absolutely nothing about travel, but it's definitely more of a mental wanderings episode. I am right now laying down in my car on the BLM lands outside of Capitol Reef National Park in southern Utah. And here, in this strange alien monocycline, there is one of seven gold medals for night sky viewing. And so I'm staring up at the stars as formed as I have ever seen them, certainly in my young life. And it's... I can't really sleep... And so I thought I'd record this podcast because a thought won't escape my head. As I've been walking around through these canyons, past domes and arches and spires and bridges of tan and gray and crimson and burgundy rock, I can't help but feel like I'm as as close as I'll ever be to be being on another planet, and I keep wanting to listen to the spooky Iron Maiden songs from Peace of Mind, like To Tame a Land, or Sun and Steel, or Revelations, because those always make me feel, or Stranger in a Strange Land from Somewhere in Time, those always make me feel a bit spooked. And this landscape just doesn't seem earthly. In nature, so I thought the music would go quite well, and sure enough, I listened to Stranger in a Strange Land about 73 times to Tame a Land, not much less than that. But now, as I'm looking up at space, at all of the stars and the band of the Milky Way, I can't even see the Big Dipper. I can always find the Big Dipper in Virginia because that's like the constant. Constellation I grew up looking at, but here there's just too many stars. I, I like lose it in the crowd. But I'm just wondering here, looking up at this marvelous conglomeration of pinholes and thinking about interstellar travel and if that will be around in my lifetime. I'm trying to measure in my head like the exponential technological growth. Alright, so we're sending robots to NASA or to Mars when 10 years ago we were sending robots. I don't know. Anyway, it seems unlikely in my lifetime, but I wonder if it would it might be around in my children's lifetime if we're uh, still around by then. Because I can only imagine walking through these canyons today in Capitol Reef National Park, which I'll get into a little later. 
whether or not humans have the ability to reach the next level of conscious, like the next level of, of common decision making and awareness in order to go to a place, to go to another planet, to find, you know, matter, life or geologic formations and know that it is not for us to displace any of it. So, for instance, in in the 1970s, there was a serious um, discussion in Congress about what to do with Alaska because oil was found there and obviously timber had long been harvested in Alaska. But it actually might have been the 60s. But I'm going to stay I'm going to stay with the 70s. Anyway, this huge amount of ground, Alaska being the size of you know, like Texas and California almost put together or something. It's friggin' enormous. And there's so much of it that is unreplaceable landscapes. Like these, in the highest sand dunes above this particular ladder, the Kobuk Valley has like these giant sand dunes, and I think they're in the Arctic Circle. It's crazy. Katmai, the breeding grounds of the salmon, and the home to the largest concentration of grizzly bears. You have Denali, the highest point on the continent. You have Wrangell St. Elias the second or first highest coastal mountain chain in the world. So much there. Gates of the Arctic. And so basically, in in 1951, Congress passed the Alaska Lands Conservation Act, I think it was called, which set aside millions of acres. I think it created 19 national forests, seven or eight national parks. Let's see. Glacier Bay, the other glacier one, Katmai, Kobuk Valley, Lake Clark, Denali, Gates of the Arctic, Wrangell St. Ellis, eight. Eight national parks, 19 national forests, and I think 32 combined wildlife sanctuaries or something crazy like this. Anyway, what the man... What was what was he called? He was called Udall, Stuart Udall in Congress, or or Timothy Udall, actually. I think his brother argued that this was the last chance to do it right. You know, even though, keeping in mind all of the set, you know, all the lands we've set aside for national parks, national forests, whatever in this country, the reality is we only have a quarter of the Smokies, we only have 20% of the redwoods that ever existed. You know, the Everglades was massively mucked up. We lost Hetch Hetchy. We lost a lot in that fight. And Alaska was the last chance to do it right because we came upon this massive unspoilt wilderness before the manifest destiny, you know, redeeming of nature by the hand of man and civilization occurred. So we had a chance to do it right, and Congress did the right thing and set aside all that land. And I'm just thinking, like, 
Will we have the wherewithal to do that if we were to ever land on a another world that had vegetation or water or or like this place great geologic you know formations or or uh let's call it was the word strata anyway a uh, great geological territory perhaps are we going to have to like go through the same goddamn steps and fight with people for setting it aside or are we going to try to drill right into it for minerals like are are we going to have to repeat everything that we this country went through over the last 150 years of public lands management that'd be really weird if we did but i can't stop thinking about it i also think it would make a great video game if you were like part of a expedition and and maybe you had a team of geologists and biologists and ecologists and your job was to like study wildlife and map canyons and not die due to like exposure or dehydration or animal attack and it could be a fun considering how many people play goat simulator and train simulator and like the Kerbal Space Program like space nerds like love that stuff so if you were to if you were to get it together a team of video of like game engineers producers whatnot and then get a team of like geologists biologists and ecologists and have them uh oversee the the lore and the creation of the storyline and the environments that could be really fun. You could learn a lot, too, about geology and stuff. And you'd have to, like, map out species, species of animal you encounter, species of plant you encounter, you know, different kinds of rock formations, etc. It could be fun. On another planet, because I remember playing Mass Effect 2 and 3, where they allow you to, like, explore more of the of the universe and quite enjoying, like, landing on other planets and looking at all the different natural scenery or in spore it's all randomly generated for you and just seeing what what animals happen to be on a planet that you land on that shit really interests me if we land on a planet and there's a there's a 200 2000 pound mammal like creature let's say a 2000 pound animal that has giant horns made of gold are we going to have to, considering the state of rhino conservation and, you know, rhino horn, ivory, shark fin, etc., pangolins, are we going to have to, like, go through the whole fucking thing? Are we going to have to make a, you know, instead of a WWF, the World Wildlife Fund, we'd have, like, a, or, yeah, we could do an IWF, an Interstellar Wildlife Fund, to protect the, these animals? That's what I was saying at the beginning, like, how we need to, like, move to a a more commonly better state of making decisions. Like, how many people do you know that would do the right thing in the face of sometimes massive personal gain every time? Like, I could say maybe one... No, definitely one, maybe two people I know could do that. Anyway, 
Um, I also think that Robert Oppenheimer had it had it right when he and his fellow physicists successfully tested oversaw the creation and of the atomic bomb and then when it was tested he he said that famous line about how he had become death destroyer of worlds he started talking about humans needing to reach a new level of of like understanding and 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 moral control and sentimentality with their brothers and sisters abroad or otherwise now of course that didn't happen but i think there's especially today with the situations with you know with certain international relations and climate change yada 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 i think a higher consciousness sounds so hippy dippy but like a, like a better understanding of of where the ethical decision lies no matter what you're doing or you know what what the decision is yeah wow these stars are fucking crazy it seems like every minute a couple more appear I want to talk a little bit about Capitol Reef. So Capitol Reef is on this band. I think it's Highway 70 east-west that goes across Utah and Colorado and, and Nevada. I think it goes into uh, Las Vegas and then turns into whatever road goes from Vegas to California. Or uh, Ve- Vegas to Los Angeles. And Capitol Reef, yeah, so it's in that band. To the east of it are canyon lands and arches less than a less than a hundred miles away and then to the south is Bryce Canyon and Grand Escalante or Grand Staircase and those are less than a hundred miles away so it's it's in this giant chunk of Utah set aside as for public lands and I'd never really heard much about Capitol Reef I had heard Canyon Lands about Canyon Lands and Arches I was obviously one of the most famous parks in the world it was I think it was one of the early created ones as well very early on created parks but um yeah i had not really heard anything about capital reef and i was sitting in salt lake city two nights ago just i knew i was going to leave at 5 30 i just didn't know where i was going to go was i was going to go to canyonlands or was gonna i gonna go to capital reef and i ended up deciding on capital reef because canyonlands and well arches was closed some a lot of arches was closed down for maintenance, so ruled that out. And then Canyonlands seems to be a enormous, and I don't really have that much time to do a big four day camping trip or something. And B would really benefit from a four wheel drive vehicle. Yeah, if any of you are going to Canyonlands, I highly recommend either renting or bringing your own off-road, not like an ATV, but like, uh, you know, a Jeep or a four-wheel drive, basically. Because there are two, it's split up into four zones, Canyonlands, and two of the four zones aren't really accessible too well by two-wheel drive vehicles. So I decided to put that away. And, uh... 
Is that a car coming? No, that's just an airplane. <laughs> um, anyway, <clears throat> I'm in the bit of a, a bit of the middle of nowhere, so that would have been surprising. But anyway, um, two of the four zones can only be accessed by four-wheel drive, so I wouldn't want to see only some neutered portion of Canyonlands. So I picked Capitol Reef instead. The weather was better, and it has this gold standard of night viewing, which I'm highly enjoying at this moment. It is a monocycline, a hundred miles long. So a monocycline is a fold that occurs when two tectonic plates hit each other, and then one of the plates sort of bends and mono, so I imagine there's probably like, you know, bicyclines or dicyclines, you know, two folds or something. But this is just one fold that was made when the plates collided, and then it bent upward, pushing all of this sedimentary layer from like 275 million years ago to to 35 million years ago is the 19 sedimentary layers. So it pushed it all to the top when this raising event happened. And as a result, you have these mountains. And, well, like I said, every conceivable shape and color and texture I have seen since I've been here. I've done a lot of hiking. Um, But, yeah, chimneys, spires, domes, arches pinnacles, organ flutes, cappuccino foam, bars of soap, amalgamations of tortured faces, you know, like looking out of me from this weathered stone. It's been unreal. I talked to a guy who had been to Zion and Bryce Canyon before this one, and he said this one was better than the pear. And I would have done Bryce Canyon over any of the other Utah parks, so that says a lot, I suppose, um, of of the quality of Capitol Reef. Um, There's a lot of slot canyons, which are really fun, crazy places that don't really occur safely a lot of places in the world. And I got to do some canyoneering. It's cool. I, I walked up to the park ranger at the visitor center and said I've got a whole day today all of tomorrow and some of the day after that if it's required what's some cool shit that nobody does so she sent me on this uh hike 15 mile hike wore me out but it was fun and I saw a burrowing owl and a great horned owl one at dawn and one at dusk pretty crazy for my birding habits. I look at birds, by the way, new viewers. <laughs> um, <clears throat> anyways, I'm going to get some water. Hold on. Sorry about that. I have returned. Throat successfully moisturized. Anyway... So I was on this 15-mile hike, and I saw all of these crazy arches and formations. It was totally along, and I saw two owls. And um, not only that, but 
I went on this off this side path called Shrike Canyon Overlook or Shrike Valley Overlook. And so I went up. It was a 0.4 mile rock scramble. And when I got to the top, I had views of the eastern end of the eastern depression and end of the monocycline about 28, 25 to 40 miles in either direction. I'm going to post pictures of that. It was fucking astonishing. But one of the things that I liked the most about that viewpoint, or liked and sort of disliked at the same time, was it gave me fantastic views of a, a rock formation that was legitimately scary to me. So I drove, I did a bunch of hikes, listened to a geology talk, talked to the rangers, hung around the visitor center, got some information, was learning. Then I did some short hikes. Then I went to. Then I was going to one of the primitive campsites, which is about 24 miles away from the visitor center. And there I encountered a line, a a wall. Yeah, it was basically like China's Great Wall. It stretched as far as I traveled. I traveled nearly 50 miles down the length of Capitol Reef. And it was there every second. It's basically this tall. Who can know? know I, there's no, aren't really any roads to its face, but I would have to guess 800 between 800 and 2,000 feet. So very vague, but high and consistently high. It doesn't ever really change much. It looks quite freaky and kind of man-made. Just so 800 to 2,000 foot tall earthen work that's just a, like lines of gray saddles, very steep. And they just march along like, you know, and there's a small depression with tan soil and then there'll be another saddle with gray soil. And for those of you who don't know. Oh, wait. No, they're not saddles, are they? They're spurs. Spurs, that's the one. So if, if for those of you who don't know, like, um, hill lingo, if you make a fist, and if you point to each knuckle, that would be called a hill or a summit. The space in between your knuckles, the little gaps, are called saddles. The length of your finger coming off the summit would be called a spur. And then the space in between the spurs are called draws. So these incredibly steep saddles coming off this, you know, it could very well be nearly sheer, these things. But they're gray and tentacly-like, and they run, just, they march along like the feet of some freaky soldier, soldierly, soldiery, sorry. And on the top of this, there is a, brownish tan pile of rubble and then on top of that is whitish tan escarpments pinnacles and that that would be sort of like the the wall the great wall on top of the 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 earthen hill that the great wall is built on and it just goes on and on and on and it reminds me it reminds me of H.P. Lovecraft's book, At the Mountains of Madness. 
And that's how I sort of, I don't even think they're described to look like that. But when I look at them, that's what I think. So it was kind of freaky. I also was like not near anything really. You know, there was no electricity. There was no towns. There was no plumbing. I was on, I was in the open country and something about that, just the heat, the exposure, the fact that I already felt like I was on Mars that felt like I had reached some forbidden valley of Mars that, that like gave way to some very uh, unhealthy regions. Or rather, rather than Mars, let's, let's just say some other planet, some crazy planet that has life. I would think that those freaky peaks, those, that freaky wall, like, you know, kept in some interesting ecosystems. Anyway, so that was Capital Reef. A lot of fun. Highly recommend it. They have a lot of, like, history here as well. There was an indigenous culture, and then some Mormons tried to live here. Friggin' Mormons. Um, anyway, but what decided it for me was the night sky viewing, and right now I'm seriously enjoying that. And just puzzling over, like, will I live to feel the stress pangs of quarries being dug in Mars and animals being hunted to endangered on planets beyond our solar system that have life? It's weird. Speaking of life beyond our solar system, I was being briefed on the backcountry here by the ranger, and explained, and she explained it to me something called biological soil crusts. And she explains to me that there are these little like they're like these little dimples that grow on the on the soil around here. And if you let them live long enough, they turn black. But it's actually some kind of living organism. And they grow in big clumps. And it was freaking me out, the kind of specialization that biological life can reach on this earth. It just kind of made me think, like, if we were to, you know, when we find life on another earth it probably won't take the shape that any anybody can could possibly imagine no sci-fi director n- none of the hawkings none of the um uh what's his name the three letter the three letter guy the black dude <sighs> whatever anyway you know who I'm talking about the astronomer Famous one who's on TV, the black guy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're all just screaming at me right now. Um, I don't think that the life that we find on another Earth or another planet would take any recognizable form or any form that anyone on this Earth could guess. I just think that it's proven itself here to be far too diverse, far too dynamic, far too adaptable. Because we can only create through our own sort of 
lens of viewing and whether that's H.P. Lovecraft's weird sea anemone creatures or um, the smooth, gray, big-headed, big-eyed Martians from the 50s or 40s or whatever. Like, I just don't... It's just not going to be anything that we could ever contemplate because there's there's whole new rules. There's whole... There's completely different parameters on that, on whatever we like. So maybe the, you know, the atmosphere is way denser. And so anyway, yeah, it's just I seeing those biological soil crusts made me just think that for a second that I can get all worked up about the IWF, the Interstellar Wildlife Fund and the ICUCN or uh, the international, the Interstellar Committee for conserving of nature, for the use and cons- conservation of nature. I think is what that stands for. Anyway, um, I could get all worked up about that, but it probably won't look or act or exist in a manner that any of those organizations would have the qualifications to deal with. Anyway... I say anyway a lot on this show. Moving on, I'll try to I'll try to add a couple new words into the vocab. What I would think, concluding thoughts as I stare upon the starry sky, is if we are to move forward in terms of general ethical selection of paths and uh, ethical progress i should think that it it's not something that a regime could do or a culture it probably comes down to just good parenting i think if you like like if you look at yeah most places have a big fine for littering but it how hard or how easy is it to litter while driving without anybody knowing about it? Yet, there's nobody I know. I've, I've never seen a human being that I know, let's say on a first-name basis, litter. That's just because our parents always told us that. And if you go to places where that's not a thing, guess what? There's litter everywhere. So I just think that, oh God, a bat just tried to fly into my car. Um, I think that whenever the day comes that human beings have to contend with not only their planet's resources, but another planet's resources as well, that we will have moved forward life on this earth in enough places to the point where enough of us have been raised by enough wonderful parents to teach us not to litter and not to kill animals when it's unnecessary or not to pollute the environment, etc., etc. Because just like Alaska was the last chance to get it right, 
you know, if we found a new world's worth of biological material, that would be like a whole, that would be a whole, that book would be completely reopened again. And you'd have all the, you'd have all the money men and you'd have all the saints <laughs> um, resume their posts. And there'd be another 150 years of exploitation, perhaps. But if, if, if we've gotten, you know, more aware of, of the natural balance of things and how valuable that is and how fun it can be to explore and learn about, whether in Alaska or in anywhere else in the world, I think the outlook would be good for conserving most of that future planet, whatever it is. And whether I live to see it or not is kind of irrelevant. I hope I, I hope I get to. I hope I get to touch down onto another world. Would you sign up for that if they offered you? Like, let's say, let's say the third boat. Would you sign up for a trip to the new world, third boat? And the, like, let's say the departure times two years it takes two years how the no 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 it takes let's say it takes five years between so you, you could travel there for five years would you do it third wave so so it, you're still you're still Nina Pinta Santa Maria territory you're fucking pioneering it but but you do have some credibility of success so you're not just, you know, the guinea pig. Would you do it? I don't know if I would. I I think I might. I think it depends on the planet and if and what kind of natural environments are on the planet, but I think I probably would. If they said it was all desert, that might be harsh. But if they said it was, you know, more varied climates, yeah, I would definitely do that. And if there were animals, oh, I'm there. New York minute. I could do I could do a, a a new year with my birding year, but but specifically for birds that have not been discovered yet and live on another world. <laughs> if there are any birds. That's another thing like life on this earth planet for whatever 450 million years has followed its particular trajectory based on its needs to adapt and evolve in the environments that have been present over the last 450 years. But that would be totally different if it was another world. There wouldn't even be birds, reptiles, mammals, amphibians. There would be, you know, it would be totally different paths, totally different strategies. Because, you know, who knows what, who knows what kind of terrain and purpose the animals in the next habitable world that we find will have to adapt to all right that's enough i've rambled was it 35 minutes that's a good episode that's a good length okay thanks for listening guys my next episode will be on black canyon of the gunnison oh shit did i talk about the eclipse oh i don't think i did 
whatever. I'll do a separate episode for that. I'm tired. Love you all. Thanks for your support. The last episode, episode 24, um, One Way Tickets and Why I Ran Away from South America, got so much support. And I want to thank everybody who listened or downloaded to you know that episode. Absolutely love it. And I hope it keeps coming. If you want to reach out to me on Facebook uh, at Chasing Diamonds with Andy or Chasing Diamonds with Andy at gmail.com, if you have any comments about the show, etc., if you have any questions, suggestions, I'd really appreciate it. But from the bottom of my, my heart, thank you for that wonderful showing of support for the an episode where I had to dig a little deeper than usual. Anyway, whether it's a beautiful starry night where you are or whether you're in the midst of a grand city, a grand creation of man, I wish you only the finest sleeps. Good night. Love you all. Mwah.